Welcome back to Pep Talk and Pickleball. I'm your host, Jill Lewis. As you know, I am a fitness and nutrition coach, and I really focus on ladies that are in their midlife. Yes, I coach clients younger, and yes, I coach clients that are older. I even have some men clients. I love it when a husband and wife get together and decide to improve their health together. It's always a positive thing. I always see amazing results. Anytime you have an accountability partner, for sure. But mostly I focus on the Gen X and the baby boomer uh, women that midlife, they are in a season of transition or maybe they've already transitioned to empty nest life. That's usually who I'm working with. And I find it so interesting with these two generations specifically, how the toxic diet culture is so ingrained. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had over the last four or five years with women that are really into calorie counting, eliminating carbohydrates, and the quick fixes. What can we do to, I'm not seeing results in two to four weeks. What do I need to be doing differently? It's really interesting. And I thought, let's talk today about why is that? What is toxic diet culture? And how can we start to get away from that and start to look at our bodies about what it can do and living a healthy life because I'm telling you, living healthy is so much easier than living with disease. It just really is. And I know it can seem overwhelming to overhaul your wellness routine and add you know, eating better and exercise to an already just you feel like your plate is full with all the other activities in your life. But I'm just here to tell you that that is actually easier to do than it is to live with disease. And it feels a heck of a lot better. Okay, so let's go back to this toxic diet culture and how we have to deprogram our brains to this toxic diet culture. You know, it's generations of women who experience this type of brainwashing. Truly, the the societal pressure and the unrealistic beauty standards really did a number on our mental and physical health. And, you know, I look back at this and think, why? What, what is the deal? And it was normal. You know, this toxic diet culture was normal. And isn't that crazy? Because if you look back, were men targeted with any of this? No. Mm-mm. Was any of this about your health and your longevity? No, really wasn't. And Was any of it so that you could actually feel amazing and thrive through your daily life? No. So let's, if you're wondering like, okay, what are you talking about, Jill? Like what is toxic diet culture? It's that pressure, the unrealistic beauty standards, okay? And it often created this unsustainable way of living. It created yo-yo dieting. And you know I'm all about a much more balanced and long-term approach, especially when it comes to nutrition. So diet culture in the U.S. during the 70s, 80s, and 90s was so pervasive, and it really influenced the way people, especially women, perceived food, their bodies, and their health. So let's just give some examples here, okay? And if you're younger, uh, maybe you're a millennial listening to this, I mean... Maybe you remember your mom doing some of these things, you know? Okay, but here's some examples of elements that contributed to 
the toxic diet culture during that time. Well, fad diets for one. Fad diets for sure. The rise of various fad diets such as the grapefruit diet, the cabbage soup diet, or the Scarsdale diet, which was awful. That was consuming a thousand calories a day. Um, But those promoted quick, extreme weight loss without considering the potential health risks or long-term sustainability. You know, like a cabbage soup diet, think about that. You're really gonna sustain that? No. Another, you think about fads over the time, it was low fat, it's low carb, and I'm sure a lot of you are still in that mindset as well with the low carb. Anyway, uh, we'll dive into that a little bit later on. Let's talk about diet pills and supplements. I mean, weight loss pills and supplements were heavily marketed, often promoting this rapid weight loss and did not address the importance of proper nutrition and exercise. Okay, for example, do you remember Dexatrim? Any of you? Like, I had to laugh so hard. I watched the Leanne Morgan comedy special that was on Netflix. It's still on there. If you haven't seen it, do me a favor and go watch it. You're welcome. You will laugh hysterically. I've watched it multiple times. I laugh just as hard every time, but it's Leanne Morgan, and I believe it's called I'm Every Woman, and it is her Netflix um, comedy special. My husband has watched it. He has laughed. My kids have laughed. It's so funny, but it's definitely targeted to the... 50 and overcrowd. So hilarious though. But she talked about Dexatrim and taking Dexatrim when she was younger with her mom and her sister. And she was like, you know, we were basically taking speed together as a family. And I just thought that was, it was really funny. Okay. So that was one. Mm -hmm. And those were advertisements. Yes, they were. What about diet foods and drinks? You know, the low fat, low sugar, artificially sweetened products that really became popular as people tried to reduce their calorie intake without paying any attention to the nutritional value of these products. Think about all of those frozen dinners. It was all about how many, 300 calories per meal. Um, what about SlimFast? You know, all of those products out there. Everything was about being skinny. Nothing was addressing the nutritional value of these, the micronutrients that you're getting in any of these foods. But yeah, those frozen dinners, tons of preservatives and sodium, it, but they were 300 calories. But think about this. If you had a 300 calorie dinner, what are you going to do? You're going to be starving. You're going to go just raid the pantry or the refrigerator later that night. Okay, let's talk about calorie counting obsession. It Everything was about calories. And I fell into this, you know, many diet plans and advertisements focused so heavily on calorie counting. You still see it some, not as much as you used to. You know, the packages, it says only 100 calories. What is it about us that we feel really good with ourselves if we only have 100 calories per snack? We're like, okay, I'm so healthy. I'm so skinny. I only had 100 calories. You know, but we don't take into consideration the nutrient value of that snack. Is that snack actually going to satisfy you and keep you full and help you have amazing energy that day? It's like we don't focus on that. And it's so frustrating, isn't it, that we don't? It's like, how did we fall into this? Well, it was constant societal and advertisements uh, pressure to, to make us think this way. But yeah, just thinking about weight loss primarily being about restricting your calorie intake. So annoying. Okay, thin idealization. The media 
often portrayed extremely thin bodies as the beauty standard, which really leads to unhealthy comparisons. And a belief that, and I I know this to be true, there's a belief out there with so many of us that being thin is the only way to be attractive or to be successful. And let me pose this question. Have you noticed with men that this was a thing? No, I mean, how many shows did you used to watch? If you look back at the main characters, were the lead female, like maybe the wife of the episode, was just dropped gorgeous, beautiful, perfect body. But what about the husband? He could have been balding. He could have been overweight. Nobody cared. Nobody said a word about him. But if a lead female, then I'm talking, things are better now. But back in the day, that was our example. Oh, it's just, it makes me crazy. Okay, think about the celebrity diet endorsements. You know, you know who I'm talking about. The celebrities that endorse various diets and weight loss products that influenced public perception and contributed to the popularity of potentially harmful practices. All right. I don't want to name names, but I'm sure you can think of some. Then you have the unrealistic fitness expectations, the exercise trends that promoted extreme workout routines that were either often unsustainable, maybe they were a little bit dangerous, or maybe they focused on achieving specific body shapes rather than overall health and fitness like I've been talking about. Think about all the infomercials that were on TV in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Do you guys remember Buns of Steel? Buns of Steel, like in the cover photo of the Buns of Steel cassette tape. Now, how did that make you feel? Made me feel like crap. You know, <laughs> I listen to Shalene Johnson all the time. She's an amazing, well, she's she's kind of changed through the years, but she's just a powerhouse. She is a Gen X like me. She's in her 50s. She's very open about the season of life where she was really big into Beachbody. She was a Beachbody personality. She was the one that created Pio and Turbo Jam. Great workouts, but she openly admits to feeling extreme guilt now over how she praised the rapid weight loss and the unrealistic expectations. You should go listen to some of her podcasts, the Shalene Johnson. She really dives into what it took for her to look a certain way on those videos that she did and how it was so unhealthy and all of the health issues that she had, all the injuries she was constantly sustaining to try to, you know, look a certain way for those for those videos. And I think it's so brave of her to talk about that now because I remember watching these, you know, the infomercials of the the women that were on the videos and they looked so incredible. And you're like, I want to be able to do that. You would buy the DVD or back then we would buy the cassette tape and it was like it was impossible, you know, and that's what she says. She's like, it was so, uh, she just has extreme guilt about it. So I think that was really brave of her to talk about that, but that's what we grew up with. Then let's talk about just how there was a total lack of body diversity represented. I think for most women, you know, we all, genetics, I always say this, genetics load the gun, but you pull the trigger. So Meaning that, yes, we are all predisposed to certain, you know, we have a certain body type by our genetics, but that doesn't mean that we can just say, 
oh, well, that's just how my mom and my grandmother were. So diabetes just runs in our family. That's what we're just going to have. No, that's absolutely not true. Now, what is true? Well, do you have long legs or short legs? Do you have um, a short waist or a long waist? You know what I'm saying? Like that's the kind of thing that does make a difference. And I'm super short-waisted. I mean, the amount of space between my boob and my waistline is like two inches, honestly. So <laughs> I have a very short waist. So my abs don't are never going to look like somebody with a long waist. They're just not going to. That being said, my family genetics, we have long legs. So sweet, you know, I'm predisposed to, um, you know, my legs looking better. So everybody's got their body shapes and sizes are different, but that was not represented on, you know, magazines and television and in movies. You you really never saw somebody that was a short, um, stockier build, bigger boned girl um, back in the day. You just didn't. Okay. And if you did, it was probably like the um, antagonist of the show. It wasn't the main character. You know what I mean? Let's talk about this. And I I have mixed emotions about this one. The before and after culture. Okay, so the before and after, you know, the use of before and after photos and weight loss advertisements can create unrealistic expectations and the belief that a dramatic physical, you know, transformation is easy to achieve. So, I am guilty of this. I do post some before and afters on my Instagram of clients um, but you know, if a client sends me a before and after, I love to share it because I do find it inspirational, but I can see where someone, it might feel defeating for somebody else that maybe has been working on their health for, let's say six months, and they haven't had that same degree of transformation and that could feel defeating and make you want to give up. So that does make me give pause, I guess is the right word, but if you look at those infomercials from the 90s, especially in, in the early 2000s, those were so extreme. If you look at the like the biggest loser and you watch, I mean, so extreme. Who in the world can set aside um, you know, a month of their life to go live with Jillian Michaels and just get your butt kicked every day, eat hardly anything and, you know, have this extreme before and after photo. I'm like, gosh, do you guys remember the shows that was about losing weight and plastic surgery? I can't think of the name of it, but that was actually a show. Oh, so the before and afters are wild and you have to yourself understand that a lot of those, I like to show the before and afters that are like a year apart. I have some incredible ones and I always like to say what the dates are between those because I think it's important to have some context with those. Let's talk about fitness gadgets and devices. Y'all, <laughs> the market was flooded with various fitness gadgets and devices that promised quick results without addressing the importance of overall lifestyle changes or nutrition. Okay, What's the first one that comes to your mind? When I think about this, the first one that comes to my mind is that thigh master. Who bought a thigh master? I never did, but I watched the infomercials and I remember thinking I should get one of those. I think I just was young enough. I didn't have the money to spend on it. Like as if using the thigh master was going to solve all of your problems and make you skinny. It's insane. 
I think Suzanne Summers made millions and millions and millions and millions off of that one. What about the toning shoes? Did anyone buy the toning shoes? These were the ones where the insole of the tennis shoes were, or the sneakers were so crazy huge and unbalanced. And they, it was like, I guess supposed to make you use your core more, or I don't, I honestly don't know, but they were so dangerous and they were really bad for people's joints. Uh, Terrible. Yeah. The toning shoes. Okay. Tell me this one. Who used the vibration belt? (laughs) Do you remember the vibration belt at the gyms back in the eighties? Oh my gosh. What about this? Who bought a shake weight? The shake weight. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And like, speaking of outlandish promises, what about the ab rocket? Did anyone buy an ab rocket? Their claim to fame was that you could use the ab rocket for only five minutes a day and you could get rock hard abs. And we all know, right? Abs are built in the kitchen. Abs are built in the kitchen. And when we're exercising, sure, you can target your abs and like you do any specific muscle. But truly, if you want to see your abs, you've got to work on those in the kitchen. So those are my examples of what I consider to be this diet culture that I grew up with. And it was just preached and it was in my face all the time. And it was subliminal, I guess, in the point that a lot of it maybe wasn't written, like you need to be skinny, you need to be skinny to be attractive, you need to be skinny to be loved, but it was there. That was the message, that's how it made you feel. And like I said in the beginning, what I've noticed with my clients or the women that I talk to on social media is that this is so deeply ingrained in us and it's hard to let go of that. You know, If you're 50 years old or older and this is how your belief system that you've had, I'm not saying that it's easy, but I think recognizing these patterns of of how your mind works and so that when you start to have these thoughts, you can shake it off, literally shake it and be like, blah, no, that's diet culture talking. Stop it. Again, it's important to recognize these examples of this toxic diet culture in the past to just understand the impact that they had on your relationship with food and your body image. So Today, there is a growing movement to challenge and dismantle toxic diet culture. And it's about promoting a more inclusive, a more body positive, and a health-centered approach to wellness. And that's certainly what I'm about with my coaching in the faster way. Let's take a quick break because I have a question for you. Are you looking for a way to enjoy sweet treats without sabotaging your fitness goals? With the Faster Way to Fat Loss and me by your side, it is possible. Our science-backed program is designed to help you burn fat and build lean muscle while still indulging in your favorite desserts. When you welcome our program into your life, you gain access to amazing benefits such as balanced nutrition, carb cycling, guided workouts. Balanced Nutrition. Our program prioritizes whole nutrient-dense foods that fuel your body and keep you feeling satisfied and energized. Carb Cycling. By strategically cycling your carb intake, we regulate blood sugar levels and optimize fat burning. And the Guided Workouts. Our workouts are designed to maximize fat burning and muscle building so that you get the results that you want in less time. 
As your devoted coach, I will be there with you, making sure that you have the accountability and motivation you need to stay on track and achieve your goals. So go to the link in today's show notes and treat yourself to something sweet today by joining the Faster Way to Fat Loss community. You'll be amazed at what you can achieve. Okay, so we've talked about this toxic diet culture. Most of us have grown up with the concept of eating less, exercise more. So we got to eat less and exercise more. That is a common approach that people often adopt for weight loss. And while this method, you know, it can be effective in the short term for sure, but it's essential to understand that long-term calorie restriction and excessive exercise may have unintended consequences, including potential metabolic slowdown. So weight loss occurs when you consume fewer calories than your body burns, which is creating that calorie deficit. So when you eat less, exercise more, you are aiming to increase the caloric deficit to prompt your body to use stored energy, i.e. fat, right, for fuel leading to weight loss. But here's the thing. Our bodies are incredibly adaptive and it's Our bodies are always striving to maintain balance, including energy balance. And when you consistently create a caloric deficit by eating less and exercising more, your body may perceive this as a threat of potential famine or insufficient resources. Because look at it this way, your body has no idea that there's a, you know, a grocery store down the street your body is like, this girl's starving. If you're really a restricting calories, your body's like, this girl's starving. We need to conserve, conserve, conserve. And so your body, it triggers a survival mechanism known as adaptive thermogenesis. Adaptive thermogenesis just simply refers to a series of physiological responses designed to conserve energy and slow down metabolic rate. This means your body becomes more efficient at using the available energy and conserving fat stores to maintain essential bodily functions. All right. So the mindset of counting calories, reducing calories, exercising more is outdated. Obviously a caloric deficit is important, but what I try to really coach my clients on is it's not a you know, lose 20 pounds in 10 days type of a deal. This is something that a, a small calorie deficit for a period of time. And then we kind of cycle in and out of when we're in a deficit and when we're maintaining. And But if you're just constantly dieting, your body is going to adapt to that. And it's going to end up making it harder in the long run. So let's keep diving into this. Prolonged caloric restriction and excessive exercise can also lead to changes in various hormones such as leptin, ghrelin, and thyroid hormones. These changes can influence your hunger, your uh, satiety, and metabolic rate, making it harder to sustain weight loss in the long run. And when you eat significantly fewer calories and exercise extensively, your body may also start breaking down muscle tissue to meet its energy needs. Since muscle requires, you know, more energy to maintain than fat, 
the loss of lean body mass can further contribute to that slower metabolism. So as your metabolism slows down, weight loss may plateau and becomes more challenging more challenging to continue losing weight. Then on top of that, what if you revert to your previous eating habits after a period of restriction? Your slower metabolism is going to make weight regain much more likely. Right? I know you're like, Jill, what the heck? So that's why when you see people that lose a ton of weight, um, gain it back, right? When they lose a lot of weight quickly and then they, they gain it back and more and then some. Okay, so what do we do? Well, instead of solely focusing on eating less and exercising more, it's really crucial to adopt a more balanced approach to weight management. And this includes consuming nutrient-dense foods, practicing portion control, engaging in a variety of physical activities, but prioritizing strength training to maintain muscle mass. You know, understanding your body's hunger and fullness cues and eating in a way that nourishes it adequately is so essential for a healthy metabolism and just overall well-being. And it's important that you also should recognize that you know, there is no one size fits all. And a lot of times, and you know, the way that we were raised, it's like, well, this is what, this is what works for everybody. And that's just not the case. You know, bioindividuality is a thing. We say that all the time in the faster way. And so here's what happens. Like when my clients work with me, you know, everybody's pretty much doing the same thing. There's a few tweaks here and there, depending on your, um, you know, medical background or your, your, your health history, I should say. Um, but for the most part, the first six weeks, we're just trying to get a lot of education in there and start to change the habits that you have created over the years. And then once my once the clients go into my VIP program after the first six weeks, they have that option to do so, then it becomes much more individualized for sure. So, you know, Every individual's metabolism is unique and can respond differently to dietary and exercise interventions. And what works for one person may not be suitable for another. So seeking those personal, like seeking personalized guidance from, um, you know, a health coach or your doctor or whatever is super beneficial. So just to reiterate, while creating a calorie deficit through eating less and exercising more, it can result in that initial weight loss. It's vital to be mindful of the potential metabolic adaptations that could occur over time. So a sustainable and a balanced approach to weight management that includes adequate nutrition and a focus on overall health and well-being, that's truly what is key for the long-term success, okay? Now, Let's talk about something else with the restriction mindset that I see on a daily basis. And it has to do with my new clients, my VIPs, they, they get this, but it has to do with carbohydrates. So I think it's an awful trend, in my opinion, um, that carbs are not, when people talk about not eating carbs. Carbohydrates are an essential macronutrient that provides the body with energy. Many women, 
like especially those that have grown up in this diet culture, have developed this misconception about carbohydrates being bad. It's a bad food. It's bad for their health, bad for their weight. But consuming carbohydrates is not only actually beneficial, but it's crucial for women's hormone function and overall well-being. And tell me, when is the last time you heard somebody tell you that? You know, all you're hearing about is carbs are bad, carbs are bad. It's just not the case. So let's talk about this. Carbohydrates are the body's primary source of energy. When you consume carbs, your body breaks them down into glucose, which is used by the cells to fuel various bodily functions and activities. Carbs play a significant role in blood sugar regulation. And so when you eat carbs, the body releases insulin, and that's a hormone that helps transport glucose from uh, from the bloodstream into cells. So it helps transport glucose from the bloodstream into the cells where it's used for energy. So balanced blood sugar levels are really essential for maintaining energy, mood stability, and cognitive function. Again, we got to be realistic about our life and what we're wanting from it, right? So to go carbless... <laughs> What's your mood like? What's your energy like? You know, how's your brain functioning? Are you walking around with brain fog all the time? I mean, I'm telling you, carbs are not the enemy. So carbs are really vital, you know, for supporting that hormone balance in women. When you restrict carbs, especially for extended periods, it leads to stress on the body and disruption in that hormone production and adequate carbs carb intakes is essential for supporting your thyroid function. And the thyroid plays such a crucial role in metabolism and just overall hormonal regulation. Trust me, you want your thyroid working well for you. Carbs are particularly important for women's reproductive health. For example, insulin resistance resulting from chronic carbohydrate restriction can lead to hormonal imbalances that may impact menstrual regularity and fertility. Crazy. Um, again, I don't think these are things that we've been hearing about. All we're hearing about is get skinny, don't eat carbs, you know? Let's talk about leptin regulation. Leptin is a hormone that helps regulate hunger and satiety. So adequate carb intake supports healthy leptin levels, which can influence your appetite control and body weight regulation. Very, very important. And then the brain. The brain relies heavily on glucose for energy. When carb intake is sufficient, carbs, you know, when your carb intake is sufficient, it ensures the brain receives the fuel it needs to function optimally. And again, supporting mood, focus, cognitive abilities. Here's the other deal. Many carbohydrate-rich foods, such as fruits and vegetables, provide essential vitamins, minerals, fiber that contribute to overall health. So it's so important to recognize that everyone's carb needs may, you know, they may vary based on factors such as age, activity levels, metabolism, just your overall health status. And a balanced approach to carb intake involves choosing nutrient-dense sources and being mindful of portion sizes for sure. But those micronutrients, we can't discount how important those are. You know, fruit being such an enemy, people blow me away when they are just get really out of 
pocket about about fruit and that we should be avoiding it. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe instead of avoiding it, we just eat the fruit that's in season. We um, pair our fruit with a protein or fat, you know, so we don't have this massive insulin spike if that's what your body's susceptible for. I mean, berries, I, who's going to tell me that eating like a cup of berries is going to, is bad for you? I, I'm just saying, I have yet to see anybody come to me um, you know, that was overweight because they ate too many apples in their life. It just doesn't make sense, right? So before I leave you today, I just want to give you some advice on how we can live our lives without this constant negative mindset with food and exercise. And what can we actually do um, working on our mindset to get out of this diet culture mentality that we've had for so, so long. So balanced nutrition is first and foremost, you know, incorporating a variety of whole foods such as fruits, vegetables, proteins, some grains, if you, your body can handle those, you know, just creating balanced meals that are nutritious and still really good for you. It's interesting how when you eat more whole foods, and when I say whole foods, I just mean real food, not packaged in a manufacturing plant. I'm talking about food that was grown in the ground, or I always say if it was grown in the ground or if it had a mother. Those are like your whole foods, the more single food ingredient type of foods. The more of that you can eat, golly, the more full you're going to be because it's nutrient dense. You know, we're a society of eating these Um, calorie-rich but nutrient-poor foods, and we need to be eating the nutrient-rich foods. Also, let's just talk about the benefits of a diet rich in protein and fiber. Protein helps build that muscle mass and keeps you feeling full, and fiber aids in digestion and promotes just great gut health. Um, It does, fiber is an amazing thing too. So when in doubt, consume protein and fiber. Another one is just mindful eating, which involves paying attention to hunger cues and eating with intention. Avoiding mindless eating can really prevent overeating and it just fosters a healthier relationship with food. I did a training with my VIP clients actually um, recently just talking about overeating and so much of that is on our emotions and Um, how we're feeling emotionally. For me, when I'm nervous, I tend to overeat. You know, um, if I don't plan ahead of time, I could tend to overeat because I, you know, let it go too long and, and I'm starving. I'm eating too fast is a big one for me that I need to work on. I need to slow it down. That's what all the things I think about mindful eating. And then another one I'd love for you to, to practice is hydration. Just the significance of staying hydrated and, and, and how it supports overall health and well-being, it just, I can't overstate that enough. Drinking water, and I know water may seem boring to you. We've grown up on diet sodas. That is not what we're wanting. You know, we're wanting just the good old-fashioned water. Sure, you can flavor it. There's a lot of amazing sparkling waters out there. That would be nice. You can flavor it with some citrus fruit or whatever. But good old-fashioned water, getting in the habit of that would be fantastic. I like to put some flavored collagen in my water sometimes. I like to put in some BCAAs in my water sometimes. I use 
some electrolytes when I'm, especially in the heat of the summer and I'm playing a ton of pickleball. So just getting water in, I always recommend half, at least half your body weight in ounces of water a day. For me, because I'm sweating so much in the summer um, and I'm very active, I get more than that. But if it's like a normal day, half my body weight in ounces of water is perfect. And then, you know, again, remember, it's there's no one size fits all to nutrition and exercise, <laughs> you know. Um, but resistance training, I am going to tell you, is so important, especially for women in midlife. It can improve bone density, muscle strength, and overall mobility. You guys, I don't know about you, but like I never want to get to the point where I can't get up and down off the floor. And I know there's going to be a time that will eventually you won't be able to, but I want to drag that out as long as I can. I want to be independent as long as I can. I want to be able to play with grandkids and be sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor and stand up unassisted. So that's why I do things like surrender squats. And that's why I'm constantly working on lunging and squatting and deadlifting and doing rows and I'm lifting weights. A good friend of mine that's a coach, Renee Carls, she says all the time, motion is lotion. You know, if you're somebody that has, you know, angry joints, I mean, motion is lotion. You can do body weight exercises, you know, any type of resistance training. I encourage my clients if they are healthy enough to lift heavy, challenging weight, but start with body weight exercises. Start with yoga start with bars, start with Pilates and work your way into it. That would be amazing. And then of course, you know, I'm going to encourage you to seek professional guidance. I would love for you to join me in my next round of the faster way. If this is something that has something that you're wanting to work on with your, your mindset. And that's really what I wanted to kind of just make sure that you check in with yourself because that negative mindset, like I'm getting ready to turn 50 enough already. 50 years of feeling negative about your body is insane. Isn't it? Like we have, we're better than that. And we're all built differently. If we were all built the same, this is always what I've told my daughter. If we were always, if everyone looked alike and we were all built the same, how freaking boring would life be? No, we all have our own unique bodies. You know that. And just because the media, television, movies, magazines, social media, whatever, your whole life has portrayed, or most of your life was portraying long limbs, long arms, flat stomach, you know, all of that as what was perfect doesn't mean that that is true. So be proud of yourself and, and know that if you're not in the shape, if you're not taking care of yourself the way that you know you, you should be, there's a way to do it that is going to be enjoyable, that you're going to learn a lot. It's a very supportive community in the faster way. And it is all about real life scenarios and it's not about being perfect and it's not extreme. This isn't the biggest loser. This is just you and I working together, an amazing community of women. And you're going to learn things about how much protein you need to be eating. You're going to learn about carb cycling. You're going to learn about intermittent fasting. You're going to learn so much. You're going to be so knowledgeable and it's going to change your life. I know it is. So I'd love for you to join me on Monday, 
July 31st if you want to join me. And if you are someone that's listening to this podcast and you found it later, just go to the show notes. You'll see the link to my next round. So I'll put all that information in the show notes below. Hey, let's talk pickleball for a little bit. It's been a minute since I've updated you on what's been going on with pickleball. Well, I am still taking lessons with Judy. I've been doing that once a week or once every other week. Gosh, I enjoy it so much. It's kind of like paying somebody to just drill with me, but (laughs) it has been fantastic. I do feel like I'm learning a lot. I want to get back down to Florida this winter and be a better player. And uh, I think I'm definitely going to be. I definitely think that my, my skills are improving for sure. One thing that has just day and night difference from last year is my serve. That's just something I've worked on on my own and it just has gotten deeper and stronger and my placement is much better. I'm really working on uh, my serves going to my opponent's backhand, which is just such a, a great place to, to put it. Um, a deep serve to your opponent's backhand. Fantastic. The other thing that Judy and I, um, that I'm working on with Judy is that ready position. You know, I've talked about this before. Why in the world, you know, I can't be get back to that ready position. Here's the thing. What I thought was I was in ready position, bringing my paddle back in front of my chest. What I was doing though, is it was too close to my body. I wasn't creating that space. So now I'm holding my paddle out in front, not right in front of my chest, but like, you know, a foot, six inches to a foot out you know, almost a foot out in front of my chest, like holding it out because I've gotten so much better at my backhand that I'm tending to take too many backhanded shots. I'm using my backhand when I should be using my forehand. However, because my paddle is not in that outward position, you know, like where I'm holding the paddle at about 11 o'clock that I'm not um, able to whip that uh, forehand shot out. So Anyway, that's something that we've been working on. We are uh, working on how, so if I am the server and she returns the ball, we're working on just me coming up to the net or to that kitchen line quickly and efficiently, but not out of control. Sometimes I get in my brain that I just need to get up there as fast as I can And what's more important is that I'm making wise decisions and that I'm getting set before I hit the ball. Because what happens to me and a lot of people I've noticed is um, that we tend to be still running while we're hitting. And that's always a recipe for disaster. Trust me. Uh, But yeah, I do think just in general, things are getting much, much better. What I would love to work on with her are, okay, you know the shot when you're up, so you and your partner are you know, right there at the kitchen line, your opponents are way are back. They're deep. I, if they hit balls up to me, I just keep slamming them back to them. They keep hitting them back to me. I'm trying to keep them back, but a really smart shot would be to just drop one right over the net because they're way back there. And you know who does that so well is my husband. And it makes me crazy. It's awesome when you're on his team, but if you're his opponent, you just want to strangle him. Um, so I, just, I want to learn how to do that. And it's just stuff I need to practice. And I have to be honest, Randy has not been able to practice with me that much this summer. We I don't know where this summer is going, but it's flying by. And 
we keep thinking like, oh, we'll go out there and drill one night, but it just hasn't happened. There's so many things going on. We want to go boating and we haven't even been able to do that through the week. And, you know, he's been wanting to play golf and he hasn't, I don't know what we're doing, but I guess we're just traveling so much. And on the times that we get home, we've got things to do at the house and I don't know. So I need to play more or I need to do more drilling and less games. And what I've been doing is just all games. <laughs> so I know this in my mind, but games are so dadgum fun. And uh, yeah, so I've been playing with a great group on, you know, Tuesday mornings and then Thursday mornings we have like a round robin league that I play in. And then we still have our normal evenings and it's the weather has been unbearably hot recently. So I think I'm gonna have to start playing under the light, which I'm so grateful we have the lights. But wow, does that take your eyes a while to get used to. Here's a thing that I am so excited looking forward to in the future. In September, I'm going to visit my cousin lives down um, just outside of Houston. And she and her husband just built a new house. And guess what they put in their backyard? That's right. They put in a pickleball court. I can't even begin to tell you how like excited I am to play down there. Um, so that's going to be coming up in September. And that happens to coincide with Faster Way is having a leg day in Texas and it's going to be in Houston. So I'm going to be combining my Faster Way um, leg day with so many amazing Faster Way people and, um, and pickleball at my cousin. So that's going to be, I mean, I don't know if a, if a weekend can get better than that. That sounds pretty amazing. And then what else is going on? We've got, oh, we have family coming in soon as well in the first part of August and um, family from Virginia and they're excited to play pickleball. So it's wild how the, there's so many generations that are playing the game and from all over the country that are playing it. You know, just being out at the courts in Mary, in my little town in Marion, Illinois, um, seeing new faces that are coming out and playing. It's, it's pretty cool. Really, really cool. So that's what's happening in my pickleball world. No tournaments this summer. Every, I've been invited to play in some and I want to, but we're always out of town, which I am disappointed in that, but oh well, you know, I'll, I'm going to get into some eventually. I know I will. I just need to get my schedule lined up a little better. I need to get like a, a master schedule of when are all these tournaments and then book my travels around that. <laughs> okay. Have a great week. And I hope you're getting to play pickleball where you are. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give my show a follow. Also, so that more people can find Pep Talk and Pickleball, if you could leave a rating and a review, I would be so grateful. If you would like some more behind the scenes with me, follow me over on TikTok at Jill Lewis Living or on Instagram at Jill B. Lewis.